Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Always communication in the locker room. We talking through everything we need to talk through, regardless of you know who's in the game. I think even the guys that have, don't play a lot of minutes, they they letting us know what they see from the sideline as well. So I think it, leadership is about a group effort. Like we're not going to just look at one guy to you know have all the answers. I think we're all we can all figure it out as a collective and move from there. And like I said, veteran teams that been through a lot, that seen some stuff in this league, um, it's good to have that those voices talking in the locker room. So it's only going make us better. I'm looking forward to keep building with this team. It's been fun so far. It's Kevin Durant on Sunday after the Suns win over the Mavericks talking about leadership and how it uh, falls on everybody's shoulders, which is probably a situation that he loves. It's been talked about a lot that uh, you know Kevin Durant wasn't coming to Phoenix, wasn't expected to be the leader of this team. Mm-hmm. They just want him to play basketball. right? Uh, and that's what he wants to do, but not to say that he can't contribute and has contributed to that front. It's been uh, I'm not going to say seamless because because it can never be seamless when there's a three-week interim in between trade and debut right. with, with injury and coming back from that injury. But right. uh, since he's been on the floor, it's been pretty pretty smooth. Well, yeah, no, it's been very, very smooth. And I think that everything you said right there is true. I think that there's a um, there's an assumption among, as Charles Barkley likes to call them, the old heads. That if you're going to be that dude in the NBA, you have to be a leader. That you, you can't be a passenger and and have somebody else be the bus driver, if you will, mm-hmm. and then still be considered that guy. Sort of like a quarterback. We've had this discussion with Kyler Murray. It, it's different when you're a quarterback. You've got to be a leader. So does a great basketball player, is he really required to be a leader? Maybe if you're looking to get into the certain echelon. But I don't think Kevin Durant's ever going to get into that echelon. And I don't think it really matters. I think legacy is a, um, largely a fictitious thing and a fluid thing and it changes with mm-hmm. the, with the passage of time and and all that, so I so I think in the case of this, this is um, it, it, it's a good situation because Kevin Durant doesn't need to have doesn't need to be the guy. There were long stretches of that game in the second half on Sunday in Dallas when he had not taken a shot and not scored a point, and he was perfectly fine just kind of being in the flow of the offense. And it it's. Yeah. Yeah, it was that stretch where the flow yeah. of the offense was leading to a lot of open corner threes by yeah. Josh Okogie. So, so I think, so I think there's a, I think there's a level of unselfishness to Kevin Durant that that I think is really good and and I think fits in well here. Yeah, I, I think you brought up something fascinating when when you spilled over into football, and you brought up the the leadership questions about a quarterback, and I I do think, I, I think they're two different things. I think you can be a great player on a championship team in the NBA without necessarily being the alpha dog leader. On the flip side of it, I think there is a huge dose of built-in leadership responsibility at the quarterback position. In Mm -hmm. fact, I I don't know if there's any way to quantify this or list this. Has there ever been a Super Bowl winning quarterback who wasn't a great leader or or a, an all-time great quarterback who wasn't a great leader? I don't know about all-time great quarterback, but I, there have been Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who've been not great I mean, leaders. Trent Dilfer was just eh. Yeah, I mean, like the Brad Johnsons and Trent yeah, Dilfers yeah. of the world and Joe Flacco, the people that they say sort of rode the defense to the championship, but yeah. we don't know if they could have also been great I, leaders. That doesn't yeah. mean they weren't great leaders. I think in the NBA, I think it really becomes a, a, a matter of leading by example because in the NBA, your alpha male really pretty much 
controls the big moments, controls what the offense looks like. It the hierarchy is very very clear on a basketball team, even though it's not you know a one guy getting up under center. Uh, so I, I I think that I think all of this is is all true, and I think that. You know, I think Kevin Durant's got a little humility to him where he would rather be in a situation to share the basketball with other good players than to be the guy who want, who gets to be the guy in every possession. Some people want that. Some people want to be that dude. I don't think Kevin Durant's ever wanted to be that guy. That's fine. Yeah, that is fine. And I would say that's worked out pretty well for him so far in his career. Yeah. It gets talked about a lot. Yeah. And he gets criticized a lot for it, but he's kind of... it's. It's really risen gonna, above that criticism. Really, yeah, it's really going to be fascinating to me because um, there was really no cost r- repercussions to fans when the Diamondbacks went in all in to win a championship. It's not like you gave up a ton of draft capital to get Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson or Luis Gonzalez. And what, what you gave up was all these deferred contracts that came back to bite the organization in the future. Something very, very you know, nebulous and vague and all that stuff. With with the Phoenix Suns, this whole Mikhail Bridges thing is going to it's going to exist simultaneously, and it's going to offer real repercussions if the Suns don't do something with this opportunity. That's the way people read Mikhail Bridges' beginning in Brooklyn. He's been fabulous, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so so if he's growing into that guy, then he's going to be that guy for a while. And Brooklyn absolutely loves him. If you get a championship out of Kevin Durant, it, my instincts say that validates everything. If you get two, it's not even a conversation. If you get none, then it might be Shelby Miller be. for Dansby Swanson. It, but then, but then, then the there's quality, also the flip side of it, too. What does Brooklyn accomplish with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson? That, too. That too. And, and also the quality of the experience. Because the one thing that, that I really took away from that loss to the NBA Finals to the Bucks was losing a ch- and I And I felt this way with the Cardinals and the Steelers, even though that game was so heartbreaking in its own right. The, it, losing at the pinnacle and at the summit, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. That's my personal experience. When your team gets to a championship, you are one of two at the top of the mountain, and you lose it, the the repercussions of losing it are not as bad. In most cases, there are clearly exceptions. Yes, I, I think there's definitely a scale of that, no. but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, my reaction to, you know, the, the Suns losing in six games was... Even though they were up two nothing, and a lot of people fought me on this, I said, you know what? It doesn't hurt that bad. It does. I, I agree with you. There's lots of factors, though. That was a team that was absolutely not expected to get mm-hmm. to the finals. There was that, Certainly. so so that makes the the blow of not winning it a lot. Yes, with a team like last like last year mm-hmm. was very painful. Mm-hmm. But to be the best team all year and then choke in the playoffs. Totally agree. I think that was way more painful than losing in the finals. But Jarrett brings up a great point too. It's it's also about series flow. The Chicago loss in '93 that was a painful Finals loss mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the, the 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 ultimate moment was Paxson hitting the three. When you're making plans on, hey, we're gonna have a Game Seven in Phoenix for a championship. This is gonna be awesome. And then all of a sudden he hits that shot, and that Game Seven doesn't happen. The flow of the Milwaukee series for the Suns was that okay, they got off to the two nothing start, and Giannis started to get healthy and mm-hmm. started to impose himself. And 
I, I I don't have a problem saying it. The Bucks were the better team over the final four games of that series. I don't think they stole anything. They mm-hmm. earned it. They they won that championship, no, I, so right. it doesn't it didn't hurt as bad. No, and, and there's something about getting there and getting out of the the to, be, to being one of two teams standing. You you hang a banner for winning your conference. Mm-hmm. So I just so to me it's all going to depend what it looks like. If Kevin Durant leads, it, it say the Suns go to two NBA Finals and they don't win a ring either time, but they they're involved in two epic series and they lose both times. I'm not certain that that wouldn't be certainly it wouldn't be as rewarding. But look, it would be one it, step a little bit above the seven I, seconds I or less. Suns I don't know if you that, look at it as, I don't think you'd look at it as heartbreak. I really don't. I, I don't think maybe Suns fans wouldn't nationally. It would be pinned on the resume of Kevin Durant for the rest of his life. Went, fit, went to Phoenix, got to two finals, couldn't couldn't win that one because that's that's the national perspective on it. He's got to win a championship outside of Golden State and, and to I validate himself. I, I, I understand I what you're this, saying. I don't even know if this one will validate him though. Suns fans, hardcore Suns fans, lifelong Suns fans, they are they are convincing themselves that this is the move that will finally get them the championship and mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen no matter well, how it doesn't happen it's going to be right. painful, and that's and that's part of the embrace he's going to feel tomorrow night that's why it's going to be such a crazy scene mm-hmm. jared you you do bring up another good point though it's not going to be universal there will be some suns fans that will if if that was the end of the kevin durant run when it's all said and done and there's uh-huh. no championships uh-huh. they'll say it was a failure yeah, because this, this was finally supposed to be the thing that finally did it. That was one of the things I walked away from last season from, is how many Suns fans were absolutely irate at how things finished. They were mad at the team for the way that they showed up in Game 6 and Game 7. And I, a yeah, lot of it was well, warranted. Yeah, absolutely. That, that that to me is failure. Getting to the championship round and losing a champ, losing an NBA Finals or a World Series or a or a, or a, a Super Bowl, it, it, yeah. there's something about getting there that I, certainly softens the blow, in my opinion. But, but again, hope, it's, it's all it's it, all relative, and it's all very early. Let's hope that that's not the uh, the the discussions we're having three years down the road. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals face some questions about the future of DeAndre Hopkins in a Cardinals uniform. We'll get into those possibilities next. It's Pickley and Murata Moore. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Morata Mornings. You know, in basketball terminology, that's what they call this. You know, somebody get dunked on. It was on three people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, you know, they were, they were in position. It was just a better catch by I. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins from November of 2020 after his uh, catch, the uh, Hale Murray catch oh, yeah. against the uh, Buffalo Bills, definitely the pinnacle of uh, DeAndre Hopkins' time. To this point in Arizona, the question becomes, is that time coming to an end? With the uh, size of the contract, with the Cardinals' stance as a franchise, Monty Ossenfort, the new general manager, had spoken about having discussions with DeAndre Hopkins in the future. It's coming to a head now. We're into March, Bick, the uh, league year getting ready to start. You know, the deadline for franchise tags to be handed out is today. That doesn't apply to DeAndre Hopkins, but we're starting to see mm-hmm. teams get their ducks in a row on what yep. the, what happens. And now you're starting to see some some rumors about teams 
you know, being interested in DeAndre Hopkins. Matthew, well, more than that, there was reports that he was actively being shopped at the combine. That is so, true so, too. So, so, so DeAndre Hopkins' name is in the mill in terms of okay, who, who wants to step up and trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Here you go. Who wants who wants an A list wide receiver guaranteed to all your fi- fan base with one handed catches? And, and so this, to me, it, it symbolizes two things. Number one, if you were a football team and you really thought deep down, honestly, that you had a real good crack at it next year, I'm not sure you're thinking about trading DeAndre Hopkins. Nope. I, I think at some point in time, you need to get your value out of him. And at some point in time, it's not all about indulging every contract wish he has. You know what I mean? It, it's it, just because DeAndre Hopkins wants new deals every two years doesn't mean you have to give them to him. Well, and that's DeAndre Hopkins, too is responsible for the structuring of those mm-hmm. contracts too and that's what people say well there's no more guaranteed left uh, guaranteed money left yeah. on that contract well, well he nego- he's got it all he, he negotiated it, it. Yeah. yes right um, and, yeah and so so I think for a lot of reasons this marriage is coming to an end and again I, I, I don't want to be overly critical of the player but I do have questions about if DeAndre Hopkins is ever going to be a winning player and again people here they go well Bickley shut up you're an idiot it, <laughs> it, and, and, no listen and and you have every right to say that. You have every right to say that hearing what I just said. But again, I, I firmly believe that a football team needs to be physical and violently engaged. Everybody across the board. You can't have guys ducking out of contact because they think they're too good for it. A la Patrick Peterson, a la DeAndre Hopkins. You get guys like this who play by their own rules. It pulled that pulls down the group. And you get guys who refuse to practice because they don't need to. It pulls down the group. And Mark Mark Schler said it best. DeAndre Hopkins will blow your mind eight to ten times a year with a one-handed catch that makes every highlight reel in the NFL and gets you nowhere. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know how many playoff games DeAndre Hopkins has won. I don't think it's many. And I'm not here to hate on him. I'm just saying to rebuild the Cardinals in a bigger, better, more physical way, I think you need to to leverage this guy out and get a draft pick in return for him. Now, the fact that they can only get a second-round draft pick, that kind of has shaken my faith a little bit. This this is really – this is asinine that this team gave up the draft capital they did to get Robbie Anderson and Hollywood Brown, and they're going to get back – Something that inferior for D Hop? You kidding me? Yes, I, I thought the same thing. And, and some of the reaction I've seen from those rumors out there on what the Cardinals could get or what you know DeAndre Hopkins could fetch in a trade. And some people say, if if that's all you can get, why not just keep him? Well, I think the other questions you brought up are fair. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, has he been on a Super Bowl? A team that was built to win a Super mm-hmm. Bowl and failed? No, I will say that. No. He played on good teams in Houston. They were always you know, fringe playoff teams that were beneficiaries mm-hmm. of playing in a weak division during his time there. You know, his time with the Cardinals, very much, you know, that first year, special statistically, and obviously had those mm-hmm. flashes of brilliance with individual plays. But you know, to answer your question, DeAndre Hopkins has played in six NFL playoff games in his career. They're two and four. Uh, the Cardinals lost another game where he was on the roster and didn't play. That was that last uh, playoff game against the Rams two seasons ago. Um, I think those questions are fair. Uh, but now you got to you know a lot of uh, a lot of bubbling of rumors. Matthew Judon from the New England Patriots. He tweeted out, breaking, 
DeAndre Hopkins to the Patriots with like laughing mm. emojis. Des Bryant had a live stream last night where DeAndre Hopkins was the guest. And he responded to the Dallas rumors. And, and Hopkins himself said, quote, I keep hearing y'all say my name around here. What's up? Talk to me. I think DeAndre Hopkins wants to get out of Arizona. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't it. think there's any doubt about it either. I've, I've heard that months ago. Other people have heard the same thing. It, it's, I, I think it's a fait accompli and everything else is just fluff, lip service, talking around the truth of the actual matter. And and so that's the truth of the matter. I, it's just it's very discouraging that that a second round draft pick is all you can get back in return. Now again, I, for a guy I, that talented, yeah. yeah. But and I know the scales get weighted because the team getting DeAndre Hopkins is going to be like the Cardinals were a few years ago. We're getting him because we're going to be the team that agrees to give him more money. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And there will be some team that that bargain is perfectly good with them. And and I just I think for the Arizona Cardinals, listen, there's just there's enough holes in his game, in my opinion, that I think the rebuild should proceed without him. Yes, the cap number right now is thirty point seven five million dollars for a receiver. That's a massive cap yeah. number. They have options. They could be flexible with it. They could extend him to lower the number. Uh, they could trade him. They could cut him. Um, you know, if you designate him. Post June first as a cut that could save nineteen point four five million dollars on the cap, which that's a that's an intriguing number for a team that's got a lot of holes to fill. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Oh, but right. I think he's played his last football here. So do I. Yeah. So do I. And again, and I, and it, again was, it was fun to watch him play. It sure was. The highlight reel stuff was absolutely incredible, without a doubt. But. One of the calling cards of DeAndre Hopkins, too, when he got to town was he doesn't miss games. And over the last two seasons, he's missed a ton Availability of games. Availability was a ton of games. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the uh, FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. also want to remind you, the madness tips off next week. And with it comes your chance to win the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks, presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Text uh, Bucks to 620-620 to sign up. Receive your bracket. Compete for your shot at over $3,000 in prizes. If you uh, register before Sunday, you'll be entered to win a $200 gift card courtesy of Mavericks. That's Bucks to 620-620. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day. We call it the Rush Hour Reboot, and it's straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot. Here on Bickley Amarada Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. When we have top stories to get you caught up on... We talk about them here. We do. On Shower Reboot. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Hey, with Vince Barada. Look out for Phoenix, y'all. Ooh. <laughs> and Jarrett Carlin. Bickley, shut up. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to hear that a few more times. All right. Uh, let's start out with some hardware for Devin Booker. He was named the NBA's Western Conference Player of the Week for the seventh time in his career yesterday. In three wins for the Suns over the Hornets, the Bulls, and the Mavericks, all on the road, Booker averaged 36 points, 7.7 assists, and 5.3 rebounds. Those are also the three games that Kevin Durant has played in since joining the Phoenix Suns. So here is Devin Booker this week on his instant chemistry with 
with KD, his Team USA teammate. Yeah, I, mean, I said it when we first made the trade. You know, he he's somebody that's a plug-in player. You can put him in any environment, any offense, any set, and you know he's going to be efficient. He's going to make sure other people get open looks, and you know he's going to play the right way. Mm-hmm. And here is former NBA star Vince Carter on ESPN's Get Up, explaining why Booker and Durant make such a great fit together. The Phoenix Suns gave up a lot to get him there. And now he has to go get the job done. And I think he's very capable of it. And what you said about Devin Booker is true. Now Devin Booker is going to probably see the second best defender on the team. He's going to get more wide open catch and shoot shots because of KD's uh, uh, demand of double team and attention. And he's an, uh, uh, he's an unselfish passer. So watching him, you know, just first of all, KD got open shots as well because of Devin Booker. So just watching those guys play, they're only going to get better. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a very small sample size, guys. Just three games so far that they have played together, um, at least for the Suns. But what have you guys noticed, Dan and Vince, about how KD's presence has impacted what Devin Booker can do on the floor? How does he open up Devin Booker? Yeah, I think that uh, Devin Booker, it's it's made Devin Booker more aggressive. I, I think it's made him even more swaggerful. And I think it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of liberated him. He's not having to deal with defenses blitz him the way that they used to and and he knows and he knows that they can't so he, I, I think he's playing like a guy that knows that there's not he's not about to face a, a, a postseason full of headaches and double teams and and swarms and all that stuff that's yeah. what he looks like to me yeah the the narrative was what what Vic talked about is like wow Devin Booker's not going to see any double teams anymore Kevin you can't double team now that's not entirely true no. when Kevin Durant is staggered and not on the floor with with Devin Booker, we have seen him get blitzed. Mm-hmm. He has improved in that area. What's interesting, though, is they're going to be on the floor a lot together in the playoffs. It's not the same amount of staggering you'll see. So I think this is just kind of a work in progress. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the result, how can you argue with the results so far? <laughs> Devin right. Booker is playing probably his best, most consistent offensive basketball of the year. And that's saying something for a guy who's got a couple 50-point games this season. Right. Uh, he's doing it efficiently. He's kind of taking that efficient label uh, that, that Kevin Durant has operated from. And it, the efficiency in the offense has been fantastic through three games. And mentally, there, there's got to be a light and load as well, knowing that he doesn't have to be the guy to put the team on his back every yeah. single night. He's yeah. got one of the greatest superstars next to him now. Yeah, and, and like Vinny said, there's plenty of times when, when he's on the court and KD won't be and vice versa, but but he knows in the fin- in the closing minutes of a game, they're both going to yes. be on the court together. Yes. No and question. one of them is shooting the ball. Yep, exactly. Now, Vince, I don't know if we're giving away trade secrets here, but I'm curious. Tomorrow night, when you introduce or you do your team introductions at Footprint Center, who's getting introduced last? Breaking news. I have no idea. (laughs) Is that a decision that you make? No, no. I have input on it. And people have asked me this. Um, You know, Devin Booker's always been the the last guy to be introduced. Because this is Book's team. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I could see, and again, I know nothing. I could see it changing for one game. Okay, just for the the home debut? Yeah, and then going back, and I think, you know, if everybody's healthy, I think Kevin Durant would probably be introduced first. 
under I, I other, think, uh, I think, other circumstances? I think Devin Booker's ego could handle not being introduced last for one night. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be okay. I think that might happen. Oh, yeah. But, Bick, you would be surprised. There's a lot of thought that goes into this. Yeah. Sure. Not, not just by the people who okay. work for the organization, okay. by the yep. players themselves. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get to the NFL. Uh, just in the last segment, you guys were talking about DeAndre Hopkins, the latest rumors surrounding him and his future with the Cardinals or more likely elsewhere. You both said uh, pretty definitively that you assume he is done with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but here's what the Cardinals GM, Monty Austin Fort, had to say on that topic at the NFL Combine when he was asked, where do things stand with DeAndre Hopkins? I had a conversation with DeAndre um, and, and DeAndre's represent, representative. Um, those have been very productive conversations. You know, I've, I've watched from afar um, in the last 10 years or whatever it's been with DeAndre and have, have been on teams that have had to compete against him. I've seen, seen the player that DeAndre is and, and what he can do on the field, and I know he's tough to defend. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's on the team. And, you know, I think with, with him or with, as it goes to any player, those are situations that we'll address as they come up. Um, but I'm glad DeAndre is on the team right now, and I'm, I'm happy to be on the same team with him. All right, 34 seconds. I feel like I learned nothing, but that is what Monty Austinfort said. Uh, I know he's just doing his job. And then, okay, so there's DeAndre Hopkins. We're assuming he's gone. And then we learned from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport yesterday that Chosen Anderson, formerly Robbie Anderson, uh, is very likely to be cut by the Arizona Cardinals. So let's assume that both of those receivers are on their way out of the Valley. Would you guys be comfortable going into next season with Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore as your number one and two receivers. Yeah, um, comfortable, that's an interesting word. Yeah. <laughs> too generous? Uh, yeah, well, I don't Confident? know. It's, uh, it, it's somewhere around there. It's somewhere in that vicinity, but but it, it would not include a contract extension for Hollywood Brown because I'm sure that's going to be coming. I'm sure that's going to be part of the landscape of this offseason. Uh, Hollywood Brown hasn't proven anything to me yet to be that guy. Mm. So, I thought he was better good. at the beginning good. of the last yeah. season. I thought he was good. Yes. Yeah. But there were there were a couple of big moments. There was yeah. Uh as soon as if slash if they trade Hopkins, the next day will be the Hollywood Brown extension <laughs> discussion. Yeah. Right. Probably. Yeah, but I mean debate. I think all of this, Sarah, is also complicated by Kyler Murray's injury status. They still okay. don't have a timetable for his return. I think if Kyler Murray was healthy going into the season, you would see the Cardinals a lot more agreeable to, hey, let's let's work out another deal with DeAndre Hopkins, extend him, and lower that cap number. But the fact that you don't know when Kyler Murray is coming back complicates it. And, you know, that... that Puts a damper on your ability to win games. What is your goal for next year? If your goal right. is to try to make the playoffs, then you know you, you think differently. But I don't think that can be realistically the goal in year one under Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin. Do you see them drafting a, a receiver in the top three or four rounds? I uh, yeah, listen. Maybe. Michael Bidwell I, again. Michael Bidwell has talked about how they are overloaded with money spent in certain positions. Wide receiver would be one of them. You would think that might be a possibility. Because you're going to have to cultivate talent there. Yeah, younger not, and cheaper. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. All right, we're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. You are rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. Reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we will talk NBA. Sean yeah. Powell from NBA.com is straight ahead. It's Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
At long last, tomorrow night, Footprint Center, we will get the home debut of Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform as the Thunder are in town. But the results have been positive on the road so far. Suns 3-0, and rolling on offense. Here to talk Suns and NBA with us from NBA.com, Sean Powell, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Sean. How are you today? What's going on, guys? What's happening, Sean? We, we've hey, been man. we've been in this kind of like a KD to Phoenix buzz for a while. We had to wait three weeks to see what it's like, and three home or three road games so far, three wins. I, I would say the buzz is getting uh, getting thicker. Uh, what have your uh, your uh, interpretations of what you've seen from Kevin Durant so far in the Suns, and and how it looks moving forward? Well, I think we'll have a better indication, you know, not against Oklahoma City, but the following mm-hmm. three games. You got the Kings, you got the Warriors, you got the Bucks. Uh, I think that'll give us a little bit of a preview of what we might be able to expect in the postseason from this team. Uh, and you talk about the buzz, I would probably say it might be in some levels comparable to when uh, back in uh 1992, Charles Barkley coming to Phoenix to join Thunder Dan, KG, and Chambers. That that was back when uh, Dan was a hard-working scribe from Chicago. <laughs> that was well, me. You remember that? Superstar. <laughs> well before he became a superstar. Uh-huh. He's still a hard-working scribe, though, Sean. He still has that going. Yeah, okay. Well, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sound like you were buying that, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know what happens when you go when you become a media superstar. But anyway, going back to back then, you you know what happened, Dan. You had uh, you know uh, Charles Barkley had an MVP season, led him to the NBA Finals. But then John Paxson hits that shot. Mario Ellie gives a kiss of death. Then and then Charles Barkley gets old overnight, and goes to Houston. It, it, you just weren't f- f- fulfilled. Yeah. Um, the other difference is between that time is Charles Barkley back then was only 30 years old, mm-hmm. and KD is 34. So I think the Phoenix Suns, on, you know, I would probably play, probably say in the big picture, they're a little bit on the clock now. Uh, KD has, what, three years left on his contract. Uh, Chris Paul, I think he's starting to show some age. I think we can all agree to that. Uh, and he has a couple of years. Uh, you know, I mean, they have to win the championship in order to fulfill the destiny, the dream, the hopes, expectations. I would have to say they would have to win the championship over the next couple of years. I think that's fair to say. What do you, uh, how, how do you think they're stacked up to do it? Because one of the guys that recently looks like he might have gotten a little old overnight would be Chris Paul, who at the age of 36 was playing at, at an incredible level. He turned 37, and it's nothing's ever been the same, and it's, it's just been really weirdly coincidental. He's still a very good player, but does it look like the Suns have enough with Booker and Durant, is that enough? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, I think um, Durant, Booker have to play at such a high level, and we've seen that, how they're basically a tag team scoring duo. They're going to have to play like that uh, pretty much through the postseason. And, and Chris Paul is still capable of bringing a uh, uh, pretty much an A game every now and then. But I think the days of him being able to do that on a night-in, night-out basis might be asking a little bit too much. Uh, so the, the, the other good thing about this Phoenix Suns team is that you've got two players, and not just, I guess I can throw Chris Paul, there has three players who can score from anywhere on the floor. They're definitely the best mid-range shooting team in the NBA right now, and I would even submit that they're probably one of the best mid-range shooting teams in history. Think about that now. Wow. You know, yeah. in case AD does not 
he's not a volume three-point shooter. Devin Booker's not a volume three-point shooter. Same thing with Chris Paul, but those guys know their spots around the floor. They hit those middies, and that's where the defense is kind of lacking nowadays. Everyone falls into the analytics thing, and, and that's great, but, but the great shooters can shoot from anywhere on the floor, and I think you've seen that over the last couple games since KD came there. Those guys are killing it in the mid-range, and I think that's also so, sort of like a preview of what this team can do in the playoffs. Sean Powell from NBA.com, our guest here on Arizona Sports, and you kind of led me into my next question, Sean. Uh, I agree with you, and the you know the assertion that the Suns are a tremendous and maybe historically great mid-range shooting team, but you know last year in the playoffs, in 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 the series where Dallas got them in seven games, we saw examples of Dallas getting hot with role players from three-point range and. Can the Suns win a championship in today's NBA relying that heavily on the mid-range when you have so many other teams relying so heavily on the three? I think it's a fascinating question. It is, definitely. And you're going to see such a contrast, I think. Uh, I think also the other question is, uh, who's going to step up for the Suns defensively? You know, they gave up Mikael Bridges, and he was basically their designated stopper. Along the way in the playoffs, they're going to, they're going to face a hot player like a Luca, you know, um, I mean, Jamal Murray, who knows, uh, they're going to, they're going to face that hot player where you're going to need that ace defender on them. And I'm not so sure the Phoenix Suns have that right now. Again, when you look at the Suns now and what they did, they basically said, you know, KD, Devin Booker, and to an extent, Chris Paul, to an extent, DeAndre Ayton, it's up to you four guys, you know, yeah, they have nice role players here and there and everything, but it's up to those four guys to do it. And those guys are going to have to be on top of their game. If they're on top of their game, I don't think it really matters uh, okay. about the other team and hitting three-point shots because what basically the Suns will be playing their game. And I think the Suns can play their game better than a lot of other teams can play their game, if that makes any sense. Hmm. You know, uh, you know the culture of basketball in New York, in New York City, and in the metropolitan area as well as anybody. How is Mikhail Bridges hitting Brooklyn? Well, they basically had a cultural reset there, and rather abruptly, you know, because of what happened, the exodus with Kyrie Irving, KD. You could even go back to James Harden. And the fact that, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, who ideally would, in this situation, would be the star player, uh, he's been anything but, of course. So I think it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air, uh, you know, for Mikel Bridges to go there. The other thing about Mikel Bridges is now he can finally be the player that maybe, you know, he thinks he can be. Because in Phoenix, he didn't get a lot of those shots. He wasn't a bulk scorer. In Phoenix, the ball was not necessarily going to him with the game on the line. It was probably going to go more to Booker or maybe Chris Paul. But now he's in a role where he can be a much more complete player, a much more uh, balanced player, not just a defense uh, first player. I think we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, he's had some big-time scoring games. He's made some big big shots in the fourth quarter. And if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're feeling pretty good. Number one, the expectation of Lord, okay, and number two, you've got a player who's just really start coming into his own, and he's a lot of years younger than Kevin Durant. Uh, best case scenario, this guy's going to be an all star with things because I mean, with Brooklyn, because he's going to be able to do so many more things. He's going to be able to showcase himself in so many more different ways. Sean Powell, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata mornings. I know it's only March seventh. There's a lot of regular season left, and obviously uh, the gauntlet that is the playoffs. But when you saw things up this morning and you look at the teams that you feel most likely to come out of the East and the West in the finals, who would you say right now, Sean? 
Well, I'm still looking at the West right now. I think we can pretty much downgrade the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've had a pretty horrific you know, last few days. And they're in second place now. I suspect they'll probably drop all the way to fourth. I mean, Sacramento's, you know, pretty good. We're all waiting for Sacramento to fall yes. off. It hasn't happened. And I think the Suns will rise. I think the Suns will, when the, when the regular season's done, the Suns will be right in that two or three spot. And I think that's pretty good because that means they're going to avoid the Denver Nuggets, at least to the conference finals, assuming that the seeding holds firm. And then it comes down to who's going to have the best superstar in that series, uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, in Denver or KD in Phoenix. I mean, that's really kind of a toss-up. I want to see a little bit more from the Suns. Uh, I can see either of those two teams coming out of the West. As far as the East, it's really about three teams, guys. It's the Bucks, it's the Celtics, it's the Sixers. I just count, you know, the Knicks are a nice story and everything, but I don't think they're going to disrupt that flow. Same thing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets are going to fall off now that they don't have a superstar. And Look, Dan, you got, Vince, you guys know, in the NBA, it's all about the superstar when it, when it comes to the playoffs. And that's another reason why Phoenix getting KD is so key. This is a guy who can win playoff games. This is a guy who can win championship games. So that's why he's important. We haven't seen that player with the Denver Nuggets now. We've seen that player with the Bucks. Jason, Jason Tatum may, that, may be that player with the Celtics. And the same thing with Joe Embiid with the Philadelphia 76ers. So those are the five teams I see. Yeah. You know, having a very loud voice as far as the championship is concerned. And it wouldn't surprise me if any of those five teams wins the championship. Sean, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, appreciate the uh, conversation and the insight. Anytime, my man. We'll see you guys. See you, bud. Sean Powell, NBA.com, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, the second half of the show, the kickoff. It won't be an onside kick either. It's going to be a boomer. Vic's ah, got your blast next. Shut Bick- up, boomer! <laughs> Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.